Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. I want to invite your attention to the book of Philippians, the third chapter, verses 10 through 14, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 6, and Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and verse 15. It is coming from the Amplified Bible, Philippians 3, 10 through 14. And this so that I may know him expressly becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his suffering by being continually conformed inwardly unto his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. Not that I have already obtained in this goal of being Christ-like or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on. Everybody say press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ took hold of me and made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward, everybody say forward, forward. to what lies ahead, Press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize, the upward. Everybody say upward. upward. The upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Song of Solomon, that very first chapter, verse number six. And this is from King James. Look not upon me because I'm black. Because the son have looked upon me, my mother's children have, were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. Chapter 2, verse 15, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. I want to minister to you in the remaining time that I have from this thought. To go onward and upward, you've got to watch out for those little foxes. Kind of lengthily, but it makes the point. To go onward and upward 
you've got to watch out for those little foxes. There are three main words in this thought that I, I need to define. One of those words is onward. The other is upward. And the last one is to watch out. So as many times before, I've looked and Merriam-Webster had just the definition that I needed. Onward, in the form of an adverb, is in a continuing forward direction. Ahead, going further rather than coming to an end or a halt. It's moving forward. That's the definition of that word onward. Upward, again, used as an adjective. It's moving, it's pointing, or leading to a higher place or a higher point or level. You hear people always say, I'm going to the next level. Well, in order to go to the next level, you're saying you're going upward. And to go upward means, again, to moving, pointing, or leading to a higher place, a point, or level. And the last word, to watch out for something or someone It denotes to look carefully, be observant, to be vigilant in watching. So again, if you and I are going to go onward and upward, we've got to look out for those little foxes. Every child of God, somebody said that includes me. Every last child of God has their own vineyard that they are responsible to maintain. Now, I'll talk about the natural one, but but we're, we're talking spiritually now. So we all have this vineyard that we have to maintain, and we may not perceive that we are the keepers of a vineyard. But we have the responsibility that are associated with it. In other words, the same way you have to deal with a natural vineyard. Let me say this for some of you that are in a horticulture. Gardens, many of you know about gardens. Well, well, it's the same concept. The same things have to go into maintaining a vineyard. First, we have our responsibility to our personal vineyard. It's the vineyard of our own soul. Everybody here has a soul. Everybody has a soul that one day you have to give an account for. So that's the most important vineyard that you need to be concerned with. It's perhaps, again, uh, that most important possession, if you please. It's that most important vineyard of all that we are to take most care of. Our soul is the most valued possession that we have. According to the word of God, Let, let's look and see what the Bible says about a soul. In Matthew, 20, Matthew 16 and 26, it says, for what shall a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? In Matthew 10 and 28, and fear not them which kill the body, but are able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So you see, my brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, the care of the soul is a very tedious and challenging process. Somebody says a process. 
You see, just like we talked in the natural, how you have to deal with a garden or a vineyard, it's the same thing when it comes to the soul. It's involving work. Somebody say it takes work. It's plowing, it's planting, it's cultivating, it's weeding, it's watering, and it's harvesting. The care of the soul is not a one and done thing. No, my brother, no, my sister. It is an ongoing process. Somebody shout, it's a process. I I need somebody to understand when you get saved, it's a process. It don't all happen overnight. Yeah, there's some people come down to the altar. They may smoke two or three packs of cigarettes, but because of their encounter with God at an altar, they stop. But then there's some others that it takes a minute, as we say in modern vernacular. There's some stuff that that you're dealing with. It's going to take you some time. It's a process. Hear me and hear me clearly. If you allow the process to take its full course, you won't be the same. Oh, I wish I'd get somebody right there to agree with me on that. It's, It's a process that we're going through. It's a process that we're having to take Years of constant devotion and attention to detail. Really? The process could be referred to as holiness or sanctification. I often have said this. Some of us have gotten to think that holiness is just a word. It's just a denomination where people go, no, my brothers and sisters, holiness is a lifestyle. It is a way of living. Sanctification, separation, set apart for the master's use. So if we look at it from that perspective, we see that we have to realize that it's a process. It causes us to work on it on a daily basis. In 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Yes, there will be ups and downs in our walk with God. Oh, I I thought I'd get a loud resounding amen on that. How many of you know, if anybody told you that living for God is easy, I just want to clarify how it's easy. Living for God is easy when you're fully committed. (laughs) Living for God is easy when you've totally turned your back on the world. Living for God is easy when you allow the spirit of God to lead and guide you into all truth. Now, what makes living for God hard is how some of us do it. Either you're on this side of the fence or you're on this side. But if you straddle it, I like to put it like this. Anybody ever seen two horses side by side? And here you are. One leg on one horse and one leg on the other. Now, trust me, if you say giddy up, you in trouble. Sir, ma'am, could you please just mount one of the horses? Could you please just ride one of them all the way to the finish line? Could you please just stay on one horse? That'll take you down your journey. I'm telling you, it is easy when you live for God with all that you have. If you are consistent in walking holy if you do your best not to straddle the fence if you make up in your mind yes i'm gonna have me some ups and downs in my walk in holiness yet 
I'm going to continue to strive to please God. Philippians 3 and 14 says, I press toward, everybody say toward. I press toward the prize. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Some of the oldest saints here, when you were coming up, they say, this is a pressing way. This is a pressing way. There's a biblical example about pressing into the presence of God. The Levitical priesthood, in order to go beyond the holy place and enter into the holiest of holies, there was a veil there. And the veil for an object lesson, many of you theater goers, you know how, uh, it's been some years, so I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have the curtains closed. And then they, they start playing the music, and you start getting hyped what's going to be on the screen. But in order for that screen to spread, they do a mechanical thing, and it, it slides. But if you ever had to get up there and try to go, those drapes or those uh, veils are long and heavy, and you had to pressure, you had to push in order to get, okay, maybe I got some football enthusiast. They have what they call the offense and the defensive line. In order for a running back to go through the defense, the first thing he wants to do is look for a hole. Because Minister Prescott, if he has a hole, he could. And then, but every now and then, some of those linebackers, they ain't budging. So you know what that halfback has to do or that fullback has to do? They have to plow. They have to press their way beyond that person. You got to press your way in holiness. You got to press your way in living for God. You got to press your way. Because it's not easy. We're talking about if you're going to go onward and upward, you've got to watch out for those little foxes. The foxes that we are warned to guard against are not just the foxes, but it's the little foxes that will take and raise havoc on your vineyard and go after your fruit that you've been trying to cultivate. It's that fruit of the spirit that you've been working so hard again to cultivate and maintain that love, that joy, that peace, that long suffering, that gentleness, that goodness, that faith, that meekness, that those temperance. I'm telling you, if you're not careful, what will happen is it's the little foxes. That's what's going to spoil your vines. If we go back, you have to understand what was happening in the Song of Solomon in that first chapter. Here it is. It's a child. And for whatever reason, the parents are like step parents. And the children are looking at that child. And they're saying, Mommy, put her in the field. She need to work the vineyard. And she said in the writing, I'm black. You know why she was black? Because she was in the heat of the day working a vineyard that did not belong to her. She was in the heat of the day that caused her pigments to turn black. And she said, I was minding another person's vineyard and my vineyard went to waste. It went aside. I didn't put any work into it. My brothers and sisters, guests and visitors, don't be that person that you tend to everybody else's vineyard but your own. Don't be that person.
person that allows somebody to get you so preoccupied that you forget about the fruit that's on your vines. It's not just the foxes, but it's the little foxes that we've got to pay close attention to and give great detail. If left to itself and unattended, the vineyard would be overtaken with little foxes, which consist of, and I'll, I'll tell you what they are, but just stop and think naturally. Any, anybody got a, a lawn at the house? Now tell me something. What happens if you, you know we've been having rain for the last, what, it seemed like a month, but it's been, only been about five or six days. But what happens in those times where the rain keeps falling? Now how many of you know rain makes flowers grow? Also makes weeds grow too. <laughs> And thorns and thistles. And, and just say, you don't get out there and mow it. You don't get out there and put the wacky weed in on it. For two and three weeks, what you think going to happen? The weeds are going to overtake. The bushes are going to get bushier. Why? Because you, sir, ma'am, have failed to tend to the garden or the lawn or the vineyard. When we don't watch what's going on, when we don't see the little foxes, when we don't understand what they're doing to us. We allow them to come in and wreak havoc in the gardens. So again, if you leave it unattended, and we're talking spiritually now, if you don't do anything to your vineyard and you leave it unattended, the little foxes, which consist of sinful speech, spiritual apathy, double-mindedness, slothfulness, envy, and fear are going to creep in to your vineyard. The little foxes of sinful speech in Ephesians 4 and 29, the Amplified says it this way. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. But such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. As fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and giving grace. In other words, God's favor to those who hear it. This is for all you cursing saints. James said it this way. Blessings and cursings do not come out of the same mouth. I'm trying to help some people here because what's happening in Christendom, we see a lot of people now that they profess to be Christians but their speech betrays them. They say they're Christians, but if not careful, you will hear them say you blankety blank blank blank. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't mean to say that. Well, I, I just need to put it this way. What's ever in you going to come out of you. Now, I've been saved. Yeah, a minute. And I promise you, I have stumped my toe many of nights on the edge of the bed trying to make my way to the refrigerator. And I get stopped by an excruciating pain that comes because my foot has met the post of the bed. And when I begin to open up my mouth, the only thing comes out is Jesus. Why? Because that's who's in me. That little fox of sinful speech causes us to say and do things that we ought not to do. Idle words 
are those words that come from pride and deceit. The pride. Those words, they, they come out and they're perceived as boasting of a vain fellow. The deceitful words are those cunning words that work toward deceiving someone so that ill gain can be gotten by you. See, these are all those little foxes of sinful speech. And then we've got those little foxes of spiritual apathy. If you go to 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 2 in the Amplified, it puts it this way. He did right in the Lord's sight, but not with a perfect or blameless heart. See, sometimes you got to be careful of your motives. Even in church, people have hidden agendas. And he's saying he had a perfect heart, but not toward God, not toward the things of God. Listen, whatever you do, the Bible says it this way. Let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Whatever you're going to do for the Lord, do me a favor. Do it as unto him and not so you can hear your name across the mic. Because guess what? If you're depending on this one, I forget. <laughs> I forget something. You could do the best deed for me, and I just slap forgot about it. But if you do it as unto the Lord, glory be to God, you'll always receive a reward. But the moment you start trying to do it for man, then you've got that little fox of double-mindedness. James 1 and 8 puts it this way in the Amplified. For being as he is, a man of two minds, always hesitating, he is unstable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. To be a double-minded man, I ain't leaving y'all sisters out, double-minded women. That's the person that one day they say, oh, I'm going to really do this for the Lord. Next day, oh, I don't feel like it. I ain't going to church. Double-minded. Oh, yeah, this is not, I think the church would be blessed if we get, no, I ain't giving them nothing. Double-minded. And I'm saying that as an example, but you know, there are people that they are indecisive in everything that they do. One moment they're here, the next moment they're here. One moment they're on fire for God, the next minute it seems like somebody doused them with water. The little foxes of sloth, according to Proverbs 10, 4 through 5 and Amplified, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in the summer is a wise son, but he, <laughs> let me put it this way, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. I hope I don't have nobody that fits this category. But you cannot expect to eat out of the pot if you don't put nothing in the pot. <laughs> I'm simply saying, how, how can you stay in bed and expect somebody to take care of you? Sisters, listen, if you got one of those fellas, you better pack their bags, put them at the door, and say, get to stepping. No, no, no. I'm trying to help you because what you're doing is you're allowing somebody to live off of you. And I hope there's no brothers in this ministry that ever think that that's cool. Think that that's the way you do it. The Bible puts it this way. By the sweat of your brow shall ye eat. A man has to work. A man has to be the provider. I know where you're kind of switching roles today. I'm a stay-home husband. 
okay. Stay home and do what? Oh, I know the soaps. You watching them. Honey, I watched the Young and the Restless while you was going. And the world is still turning. But the edge of night is stopped. I know good and well. There's no brothers in this ministry that think that you can lay up, not contribute. And it's all right. And all I can say for every sister in here that you might have that going on, shame on you. That's the sin of slothfulness. And to be truthful, most people would, would hardly ever be willing to even consider the idea of yourself being slothful or lazy. To even be categorized in that mindset. But the soul, listen to me and hear me. The soul idling time is the devil's work time. The soul's idling time is the devil's work time. The little foxes of envy. James 3, 14 through 36. This is the one that really messes a lot of people up. But if you have jealousy, envy, and contention, and rivalry, and self-ambition in your hearts, don't pride yourself on it. Don't think that that's a good thing. It's something that if you're not careful, you'll find yourself doing some stuff to people. Anybody heard of that green-eyed monster? It's called envy. I know nobody in here is like this. But you know, some people, they see you kind of getting ahead. They get envious. Now, sir, ma'am, please, before you get that way, would you like to pay the bills? <laughs> would you like to know how much it costs to ride like that? Would you like to know how much it costs to live like that? You getting envy for nothing because you, too, could work hard and obtain the same thing. So why do we get envy? Uh, people, people of color, I'm one of those folk. Why do we have the crab mentality? Why is it that when one starts doing well, Minister Prescott, they don't no longer have to live in the hood. They can move in the gated community. Now we're looking at some, you think you all right. I remember when. That was then and this is now, brother, brother and stepping in high cotton now. But we are a bunch of haters. We are a bunch of people that don't like to see other people's. Listen, I celebrate and I congratulate Dr. Veronica Outlaw, Ph.D. My daughter know I tell her, I'm glad you got it. But now you got to get over it. <laughs> don't, don't let don't let those. Th- see, it, she's not. That's not who she is. Matter of fact, she cringes every time I say Dr. V. But I, I celebrate because I'm saying to you, I want you to get an education. I want you to be the best person you can be in God. But when you do, don't begin to look down your nose at folks. Don't begin to think that you've arrived. Because the same ladder that took you up there, you better believe you got to come back down. And I'd rather come back down with people I've been good to. People that I said, you know, I'm no better than you. Come on, let's hang out. But when you do that, you always have a place to go. You always have people you can go to. But when you get that enviness, that mindset, oh, it ain't all of that. We got to change, y'all. We've got to change as the ministry, as the body of Christ, as individuals. We got to start celebrating people right where they are. My God, I'm looking at some future doctors, lawyers, police, you name whatever you want to be. But you'll never arrive if you don't have the right spirit and the right attitude to be a blessing to people. 
along the way. It's these little foxes that we've got to watch out. This superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, animal-like, even devilish, demonic, if you please. We've got to come to a place where we realize those things and that envy, that's not of God. Jealousy is not of God. It's contentious. It breeds disharmony and rebellion, unrest. And all sorts of evil and vile things come as a result of it. That little fox of envy can be very destructive to our soul. If it's allowed to go on unchecked in our lives, you know what it does? It ruins us. It ruins our future. Whether we admit it or not, if you are not careful... This little fox will come in and destroy your tender fruit that's on your vines. The little foxes of fear. In 2 Timothy 1 and 7 in the Amplified Bible says, The little fox of fear will continue to run rampant through our lives unless we are willing to take control and authority over fear. One thing I realized that every last one of us in here, whether you say amen or oh me, we fear the unknown. We fear places we've never been before. And I'm saying to you as a ministry, God wants to take you places, but they're going to be uncharted. You have never been that way before. Sir, ma'am, that's when you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways, acknowledge him. I was sharing with the uh, new converts today, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, but you've got to be willing to acknowledge him. It is too many people that have made it. They're successful. But as soon as they reach the top of the run, they act like they got there by themselves. There was never a support system there for them. There was never anybody that was a mentor. You, You name it. But if you acknowledge God in all of your ways, not some of them, but all of your ways, he will direct thy path. You won't have to worry about no missteps. You won't have to worry about a wrong direction. You won't have to worry about being detoured from your destiny because you have made up in your mind, God has ordered my steps and I'm acknowledging him and everything that comes out of my life. Fear, there's an acronym, false evidence appearing real. Fear, F, false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, real. False evidence appearing real. Fear will disarm you so that those other little foxes can come into your vineyard and bring with them strongholds in your life. That's why some of you right now, you have allowed it. First of all, you let a little toehold come in. Just a a toehold. And now it's become a foothold. And now it's a stronghold. And you can't get out of what you've been in. Fear will do that to you allow all of those things in your life to go onward and upward we've got to watch out for the little foxes thank you father i gotta give you thanks because lord everything that you have done i didn't look at it now i thank you lord for the release of every chain everywhere i go god i gotta give you praise because you have heard my cry We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. 
We have learned to forgive. And with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.